Welcome to KC Corner, episode 12, quarantine week 5, uh, hopefully coming to an end here soon, but who knows? <laughs> so Brooks, there's light at the end of the tunnel, always with Jesus, right? Oh yeah, and it was first uh, Easter Sunday for King's Chapels, which is exciting, but not exactly how any of us dreamed it would be. <laughs> Certainly didn't envision this, but was so excited about what God did through us uh, for His glory, and especially when I think about all that happened over Easter, and the reality is King's Chapel is volunteers, mm-hmm. and what we were able to do by God's grace with some volunteers, uh, putting together videos, you know, live streaming, Scott doing his thing Sunday morning, Sunday night. You know, I'm, I'm just so proud, I think, in a godly sense that uh, um, King's Chapel uh, pointed to Jesus so mm-hmm. pretty well this last week. We're, again, we're a bunch of veterans. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of looked like that. I mean, it was, it was difficult having an empty sanctuary, but I think I said on Sunday... The emptiness of the sanctuary really points to the emptiness of the tomb, and that's just great victory right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we can jump right into it with what you meant to say in your Resurrecting Hope sermon this past Sunday. Well, if I can go back even to a little bit on Maundy Thursday. Oh, go for it. it. <laughs> so, you know what I meant to say? I said a lot of things last week. Oh, <laughs> you talked way too much. I did. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, is it's just, uh, wow, what a privilege. And I was so thrilled with uh, Maundy Thursday that we were able to do that and then it's so excited to uh, preach our Easter sermon but let me go back to Maundy Thursday and what I meant to say is that Jesus suffered and died alone in the midst of this COVID-19 one of the saddest stories that emerges are those who are suffering and even perishing alone without loved ones around you know in isolation and there's an extra pain of that reality and I love the fact that through Holy Week Um, there is a reality that Jesus suffered and died alone. His friends were no help. He couldn't lean on man. And then on the cross, even his own father would turn to him, turn from him uh, so that he could always turn toward us as he became our sin. And there was a suffering and a dying and an aloneness that is unique to Jesus. No one ever suffered and died alone as much as he did. But You know, the fact that our high priest can sympathize with us, our Savior, through all of that. And and it gives us hope. And one of the things that Katie um, pointed out to me that I have a tendency to do is I have a tendency to tell a story and not give the conclusion, (laughs) you know. And in that Monday Thursday service, I talk about my best friend when we were trick-or-treating at about 12 years old and that he got beaten up. And uh, <laughs> I didn't say, hey, he was fine and nothing, and no, no blood spilled and that we remain best friends. We're best friends to this day. He, he, was, the, he was in the... I think our last one before quarantine, right? He was in town? Yes, he was. That's exactly right. One of the last few. The the best man of our our wedding, so uh, he's fine. So (laughs) what I meant to say on Monday Thursday was that uh, Jesus suffered and died alone. And, you know, especially as we think of this COVID-19, how isolating it's been. It's just just been horribly isolating, uh, Mm -hmm. especially for those that are sick. um, And how much Jesus can relate to us and how he brings hope into all those things. And then for Easter, you know, the, the, the key phrase there on the road to Emmaus, again, is probably my favorite resurrection appearance of, of Jesus. And I just love that story found in Luke 24. But these two that thought that Jesus was the one, I mean, these were two that, you know, they weren't somewhere on the fence wondering. They, they kind of put their uh, eggs in that basket little Easter thing, <laughs> or, or, you know, it just kind of ante up that Jesus was the Messiah and that they would say, but I had hoped. And 
when hope's a powerful thing and it can help us do a lot of good things but and help us hang on but when hope is dying or dead you know it, it paralyzes us and you know hope when your hope does die there's a complete change in outlook you know you start thinking hey i'm hoping this i'm hoping for this and all of a sudden that's gone and what happened to them was so important that god's story wasn't making sense I mean, these were good Jews that knew that the Messiah was coming. And all of a sudden, uh, they thought that this, this strong prophet from Nazareth, Jesus, was the one. And when God's story doesn't make sense, our story doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And if our story doesn't make sense and God's story doesn't make sense. And I, I really believe people can resonate with this because I don't think there's anyone who's been alive for very long that doesn't have a hope that dies. And I think that they understand of you know, that it's a terrible feeling. It, it just, it's unsettling. Um, you know, what can you hold on to and, mm -hmm. and where, where do you go? And uh, I love how first Peter says that because of the resurrection in first Peter one, three through 11 or 12, that, uh, we have a living hope and it cannot die. And because of Easter and that road to Emmaus, um, that, story that Jesus would point them back to, to Moses, the prophets, even the Psalms. And he would show a biblical pattern for him and for us. Suffering precedes glory. Mm -hmm. And that's always true. And we're going to suffer here on earth, uh, even as his children, even in the midst of blessings. But glory is coming. We have, we've tasted it a bit now. We see it a bit now, but it's coming. And so it was true for Jesus. It's true for us. So uh, Easter was just like, Hey, what do we do when our hopes are shattered? And it seems like we're faced with that, not just with COVID-19, but with loved ones wrestling with cancer, with marriages that are strained, with kids that are wavering, with jobs that aren't great. You know, there's a lot of hope that dies, and but hope in him never will. Mm -hmm. and this actually just came to me, and this is an old, old sermon, from uh, Easter sermon from you, probably at least eight years ago, wow. uh, talking about the NCAA basketball championship is Memphis against someone and Memphis jumped out to a huge lead in the first half but ended up losing and there was someone that you were friends with in the congregation who was a huge fan of the other team and you, you kind of like pointed them out in the sermon was like would you have turned it off if you knew the ending like you knew they were going to come back anyway sure. and that's sure. what we have in Jesus we know this we know the story we know he died and uh, rose for us so it was the, I don't know how that it, came it to me right there it certainly sounds like an illustration of mine I'm sorry <laughs> to all those people who aren't sports <laughs> <laughs> so, had to get our sports reference you know, it's, it's interesting because uh you know um the reality is as a preacher you want to make sure that your illustrations aren't all like one-sided <laughs> and i know i can be but it's so true don't turn it off uh in life don't turn don't turn the channel even um mm -hmm. you know a lot of times i think people are turning the channel right now i i heard someone told me yesterday that alcohol uh sales are up like 45 percent mm -hmm. something like that and in a lot of ways, I, I understand people are bored and they want to turn the channel. And uh, I think alcohol and a lot of the idols, the addictions in our lives, they help us turn the channel from the pain of what we hoped would be reality. And it's not. Um, but with the fact that we know the outcome's good, Jesus doesn't want us uh, to uh, to turn the channel. He doesn't want us to numb the pain. And um you know, he endured that pain. Even one of the things that was offered to him at the cross that he refused probably had medicinal uh, a power to it, maybe to ease the pain a little bit. And he's like, no, I don't, I don't want to ease the pain. I got to experience this. And uh, I know that in my own life, I, I love to 
to run um, and I love to kind of ease the pain by a new adventure but um, there's a reality that we just have to sit what theologians will say we live in the now and not yet right now we have great blessings in Christ, Christ Jesus right now we have forgiveness and redemption and justification but not yet have all the blessings come so we live in that tension of now hey we have a relationship with Jesus but not yet do we see him and not yet have every, every tear been wiped away and every cancer cell taken care of so living in that now and not yet with hope that's dying but not numbing the pain that's mm -hmm. that's only with the power of the spirit and the word can we do it mm -hmm. yep and beautiful thing and beautiful time of year holy week and it's fun to be a part of a church actually and Amen plan it out that. and everything is a, is a fun time oh thanks brooks but now looking to our new sermon series sheltering in his presence yeah, you know, it's interesting, Brooks. The truth is, okay, this is Confession uh, confession 101 with Jeff. Um, I had planned pretty much all of the sermons of uh, King's Chapel from our very first on September 1st, and we publicly launched on the 8th, up till Easter Sunday. And guess what? That was last Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> and so I knew in the summertime I wanted to start jumping into the Psalms, and I was going to look at the Psalms and call the series... Uh, songs of summer mm -hmm. and uh kind of like an ipad uh, <laughs> uh, uh i'm sorry an itunes uh oh yeah a little song that of, I yeah have, exactly you know? so, the um, best songs of the year exactly <laughs> upbeat so, happy so you know and i think we need that but i realized we really need songs of hope and uh um just thinking when we were told hey you got to shelter in place shelter in place in this covid 19 really where we need to shelter is shelter in his presence and there's some psalms we're going to look at. We're going to jump into Psalm 91. Um, it's, a, it's a psalm right now that's getting a lot of traction because it talks about his protection over pestilence, mm -hmm. that, the disease that rages and how he protects us. And we're going to look at what that means for us. And I think we'll, we'll, we'll probably hit Psalm 27 and 46 and 121 and 29 and end with Psalm 13 for those of you who want to jump ahead and find out what those are all about. Yeah, this truly is like a playlist that you make. Exactly. <laughs> but with that said, is like, you know, how do we shelter in his presence? And as we do, we find just uh, incredible um, comfort, peace, and, and joy. So... That's where we're heading. Looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. So oh. tune in. You know, one of the things, Brooks, we've now, because of this COVID-19, we have tools that we didn't have before at King's Chapel. You know, people can go and they can watch last week's mm -hmm. sermon or the week before that or Monday Thursday. I got to tell you, I love watching the numbers of those who watch live and those who go and watch or listen uh, later on. And it's a good growing number. And mm -hmm. it's just really exciting to know that, during this time, we can get the gospel word out. And those tools, even Casey Corner, we're going to try to make more accessible on our website and just make sure that people know mm -hmm. one place to go to get all their stuff. So, hey, if you'd like to go back and if you miss something, uh, check out the website and uh, check out. And there's there's ways that you can watch or listen um, to almost everything we've done in the last several weeks. Yeah, sh shout out uh, Amy Millette, who is in our uh, young adults Casey group and says that she listens to the sermon like two or three times because uh, she just likes to dive in and wants to make sure she hears everything right. So yeah, who always That's a awesome. listener. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> but jumping back a little bit, um, we have a question this week actually coming from my mom, another shout out, Vicki Robinson, She's awesome. um, <laughs> about the sermon last week coming from Luke twenty four sixteen. 16. Um, she asked, why were they kept from recognizing Jesus 
And then in verse 45, why did he have to open their minds so they could understand Scripture? Wow, those are two great questions, Vicki. I love your discerning mind, and I love your your faithful heart. So um, let me first of all say that we it's very important. It's actually a part of the Apostles' Creed. It was so important that we believe in a bodily resurrection. Some people want to say that Jesus just rose in his spirit, but it was really important for Jesus to say things like to Thomas, hey, look at my, my nail-pierced hands. You know, mm-hmm. look at touch me. And he even ate broiled fish. I mean, this, <laughs> so there was there was clearly a resurrected body that Jesus has. And by the way, that points us to First John three, verse two, that says that when he appears, we will be like him. We too will have a resurrected body. We believe it. That body of yours, body of mine, will be resurrected. Um, I look forward to that. <laughs> but, anyway, um, but at the same time, although he was resurrected and it was clearly Jesus, there was something different about a resurrected body. Um, mm-hmm. When the Gospel of John, when they're fishing and they Jesus is on the shore, another resurrection appearance, they don't quite recognize him. You know, it was John who says, "Oh, it's it's the Lord." You know, he's talking to them from shore, and they're and they're not even sometimes not quite sure. So I don't know exactly what he'd look like. I know that his body was different. I know he appeared in locked doors. So I think when they were on the road to Emmaus, I'm sure that there was something hauntingly similar or, you know, of this Jesus, but they were kept from recognizing him because they just, yeah, I think that Jesus wanted to share the story, but I think there's also where he had to be, show them physical signs. Hey, Mm -hmm. this is me. And so something different about the resurrected body. Um, but you, so that's, that's one of the resurrection. The next one is the function of the Holy Spirit, which great question, Vicki, why did, uh, he have to open up their minds to understand scripture, you know, throughout the gospel accounts, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, uh, about what was going to happen, they didn't get it. I mean, he would be very specific. We're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be handed over, arrested, crucified. But on the third day, I'm going to rise again. I'll see you in Galilee. And they didn't get it. They were they were arguing about stupid things. And it wasn't until the power of the Holy Spirit comes where he does open our minds. So, yes, because we're dead in our trespasses and sins, we cannot see the, the light of Scripture, the truth of Jesus, without God helping us see that truth. And that's true not only of them, the 11 in the upper room, it's true of us. It's not until God's grace, because salvation from start to finish is all of the Lord. And he is the one who's going to initiate with us. He's the one who's going to open our eyes, our minds, our hearts to see the beauty and the reality of Jesus. And then we will freely, lovingly, willingly embrace that truth. And so uh, it took the Holy Spirit. That is his function to to. And Jesus even said in, you know, that upper room discourse in John 14, 15, 16, the high priestly prayer of 17, he kind of talks a little bit about the one who will come, the promise of the Father, and his job is going to be pointing to Jesus and pointing to us scripture and open up their mind. So great question. I hope that answered it a little bit, Vicki. Oh, yeah, that was perfect. And I, I got another one. I don't know if you got it, but I got one from... Uh, I did not, but go for it. All right. Another question came in about Moses' prophecies. Um, I had a good question this morning come in and say, hey, I could think of two, the, the bronze snake that was lifted up in the desert that kind of was fighting off a plague that Jesus was lifted up uh, as well on the cross that fights off the ultimate plague. And that rock at Meribah that they um, he was supposed to speak to, but he struck um, in anger to get water out of it. That rock is the rock of Christ, which is true. 
but it's more than just those things. There was a question it was like, hey, what other ones, what's the, the third or the other one that really points to Jesus? All of it points to Jesus. I mean, uh, Moses wrote the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And uh, with that, um, there are so many promises, the Passover lamb, there's so many, the seed that is to come um, to, to Abraham, the seed that was promised back in the garden, they all point to Jesus. And when he says uh, to those in the road to Emmaus, and he says to the 11 in the upper room, he starts with Moses, he starts with Genesis, and he's going to go through the whole Pentateuch. I mean, probably not verse by verse, but just show that everything pointed to him. And then he's going to move to the prophets. The former prophets give us more history, and then the prophets tell us what's to come. Um, and all those were shadows that point to him. And then he's going to go to the Psalms, which are the songs. And he's going to say, hey, the voice is all found in him. And he's basically saying from Genesis to Malachi uh, is a setup. It's a setup that Jesus is coming. Um, the one who created all things is going to redeem all things. And the one, and once we get to the New Testament, we know that he's going to be the consummation of all things. So that is... Uh, uh, you know, it's not necessarily we got to look for these three or four specific prophecies of Moses. We just got to see, especially, I'm glad I just thought of this, especially the law. At one time it says the law of Moses. And for us, when we read the Old Testament, when we read, let's just say, the Ten Commandments, Brooks, you read the Ten Commandments, what should that cause us to do? It should make us realize God is holy. It should make us realize we are sinful. It should make us realize we need a Savior. And it should make us point to Jesus, that he is the fulfillment of the law. He said, mm -hmm. I didn't come to abolish this. I came to fulfill it. Why? So that all the blessings that God promised for the fulfilled law would be ours. And all the curses that the, the breaking the law would be absorbed in Christ. So that's just such beautiful stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's just... Uh, it's seeing Jesus throughout Scripture. Yeah, I know. I think he brought it up last Sunday of how the Bible, it's 66 books, but they're not all independent of each other. It's all has to do with one story and the story of Jesus. So think of it, thinking of it as that way, even Old Testament, New Testament, it all relates to each other. You know, I heard, I read something this, this week that exactly along those lines, Brooks, is that the, the Bible is the library of the Holy Spirit. And this was written by a Puritan, by the way. And what he meant by that was to say, you know, we have 66 books that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And they are kind of initiated by the Father. They're uh, inspired by the Spirit. And they all point to the Son. So mm -hmm. you see the beautiful triune nature of our God, even in Scripture. Yep. And so the final thing we want to talk about is the choices, ministry, and a walk for life um, coming up at an, an event that we're helping out with and I know we've uh, worked with them for since the beginning pretty much right we have and it's such an important thing and let me start off by saying why is choices and why is it important for us as King's Chapel to to be fighting for life and it goes back to God's worth because all, all of life um, is a reflection who God is all, all when I say life a man and woman made in his image is a reflection of our great God and that has value no matter if that's in the womb or no matter if that's in the nursing home and no matter if that's in a coma I mean whatever life we got to fight for life because it's precious uh, to God because it reflects who he is and um, you know at the same time I need to say as a pastor I know when you talk about things like abortion um, it's it's a difficult topic with many and many have made a decision to have one and many um, are suffering because of maybe a guilt or shame. But I, let me just point to a gospel hope. You know, no matter where you are, um, and no matter what has happened, there's just forgiveness and love in Christ Jesus. And, you know, that 
that God, God loves those uh, uh, who've made bad choices. And so, um, and I, I love the fact that he hung naked so that he covers our shame. And he doesn't want you, it, it, he doesn't want shame to define our stories. All right, let me get to the point. Um, so there is a walk coming up. It's going to be changed this year because of COVID-19 oh, changes man. everything, right? <laughs> Instead of a, all, all of us getting together and walking for life, and this is a major support for them. This is really important for this ministry, which is a vital ministry because can you believe that they've deemed abortions as necessary? Abortions go on right now during COVID-19. There's no stop. And uh, because of that, uh, Choices Clinic is open, and I'm so grateful for that. But instead of having our, our typical prayer walk, which I love, we're going to do um, a virtual prayer walk. And in, you can go and sign up for that walk. It's Here's the website, walkforlifeorlando.com. That's walkforlifeorlando.com. And I can put that in the description of this as well. Okay, that's awesome. And if you register, you'll see that you can register under King's Chapel. We are already registered as a church and uh, would love to see us fill up that and you can sponsor me as, as I walk or, or walk. I'd love it if we get a lot of folks signed up to do this virtual prayer walk and to support this great ministry. And let me just give you a couple of, of quick uh, statistics. You know, Florida ranks third in nation for abortions. And mm-hmm. uh, 24% of the pregnancies uh, in our great state end in abortion. That's like one in four. And it's alarming. And I know that Katie and I recently have been praying by, for, by name for some who have gone into choices and are wrestling with should they have an abortion or not and should they ch- keep the baby and we hear a little bit of their stories and what a privilege it is to pray for them. Uh, Central Florida boasts of 11,000 reported abortions annually. 11,000. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the state statistics right now are death for COVID-19 but you know here are 11,000 deaths annually. and. Orlando has four abortion clinics, uh, with three of them performing late abortions through 24 weeks. That's six months of pregnancy. It's it's so heartbreaking. And, you know, their clinic is right off of Colonial Drive, right there near some of the late-term abortion clinics as a hope. Uh, and, again, the largest de- de- demographic seeking abortions college age. And they've purchased some property right near UCF, and they want to have a presence there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you don't love your alma mater. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. UCF. So, <laughs> uh, and they, they have a great medical staff, uh, a great staff there, some great volunteers, and ultrasound and testing. And, you know, they're 100% donor-supported, and 100% of every dollar raised for Walk for Life uh, will help bring hope uh, and strength and support to these women in need. And so... I, I love it. Um, please, King's Chapel family, friends, um, support life. And please go on that website. We're going to try to have a link on our website soon, if not today, so you hopefully can get there as well. So Yeah, you're right. UCF, obviously, near and dear to my heart and largest university, so it's, it's going to definitely inflate those numbers in this area oh, for, for sure. sure. Um, for sure. And, I, and I know people that have gone through um, – that before unplanned pregnancy so yeah um and it's a scary thing it really it is, is. It is. And, you know and the easy way out might be let's should i terminate this but you're terminating life and there's a lot of other options and um man let's choose life mm-hmm. so support jeff in that way or do the virtual walk yourself yeah, and help support on. the choices ministries exactly hey thanks brooks i think we might have gone a little long today sorry y'all we had a lot of things to talk about and uh I actually even had some more things I want to tell you about some of the books I'm reading, but I'll have to hold <laughs> off on that till next week. Jeff misses you all, and he needs to I talk do. to you. He's, yeah, he's having withdrawals. <laughs> it's so true. Oh, golly, good point. But that's good, and we'll hopefully see you guys soon. Live stream, as always, 10 a.m. this Sunday. 10 a.m. 
See you guys.